And good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink uh, oh, uh, and Josh, our board operator, who's keeping things going. Uh, on the phone with us is Brandon Vance. He's the outgoing president of Stonewall Democrats. Uh, we're going to start by finding out whether he thinks Trump actually won. Uh, because, you know, it's a big question. It, apparently. It, is a, it is a big question. It is a big question. So, Brandon, welcome. Hi there. How y'all doing? We're doing well. Um, okay, so so you're you're the outgoing president, but you're also uh, pretty friendly and personable. <laughs> I try. Is that a, that's a good thing, right? Right, right, right. It, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. I think. But <laughs> so, so just to get this straight, because there seems to be a question in this country: Did the guy who got seven million more votes win, or did Trump pull it out? You know, it, it is such a tough question, you know. I've heard all arguments, but I feel confident in saying that Joe Biden is president-elect of the United States and will be president on January 20th. Okay, so here's my logic. Hillary lost with three million more votes in what Trump called a landslide, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so Biden lost with seven million more votes in a bigger landslide, right? Yeah, yeah, evidently. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, uh, if you if you listen to Parlor, well, yeah. Who who else would you listen to for your news? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, there's also Saturday Night Live, who did a tremendous opening last cold open last night. Oh, I didn't see it. It was about the uh, the the hearings in Michigan, and the crazy thing. The actual hearings in Michigan were funnier. <laughs> <laughs> well, because their witness was drunk. Yeah, well, and many of them. <laughs> you know, it, the fact that there are, are Americans who are actually saying that these are valid hearings and, like, we should give them the same credence as, you know, speaking before the Supreme Court is mind-blowing. It's like, where, where, where do you find that? Like, come on. In Michigan. <laughs> we don't do crazy things like that in Texas. Because our politics are sane. Right. That's not the kind of crazy we do in Texas. Yeah, okay, that's a good way of putting it. It's not the kind of crazy we do in Texas. Um, Brent, you're the outgoing president of Stonewall. You've been president for two years. Um, this year presented a, a unique challenge, I would say, for anybody who's running any organization. Uh, how did you transition to being president of the organization during COVID? So, so as you said, this is my second year. Yeah. Um, and so in 2019 is when I transitioned in. But there was a need for us to transition in regards to how we interacted with our members, um, how we interacted with our candidates and with elected officials. And I cannot take credit for it on my own. My board was amazing um, and, and really presented different ideas and different ways for us to do things. Um, I got to give a shout out to Josh Kogan, uh, my political affairs chair. Uh, Josh, you know, really like pushed the idea of town halls when everyone was still trying to figure out what they were going to do. Uh, and this was in right in March when everything started. And so we started reaching out to elected officials and was like, hey, you know, we want to do something weekly uh, via Zoom. 
and and it just kind of worked. And then you know, folks started falling in line, and it became easier and easier to get elected officials to come in and Zoom with us. Uh, and so that was kind of one aspect of it. Um, dealing with our programming and our financing, you know, we had to to make some shifts there and how we how we spent and how we did things. So it was a full team effort. Uh, my, my vice president Susie has, you know, she she is my right hand, and she would be like, "Hey, let, what do you think about this?" Or you know, like, "Hey, let we what if we tried this?" Um, there was a lot of kind of throwing things out there as a team and really seeing what what would work for us. And you got a really seasoned vice president in that too, because Susie Hess has been around the block. This is not her first rodeo. This uh, is not. This is not. <laughs> and the thing is, she's so mild mannered in regards to um, so many things. And then when she is outspoken, when she gets like a fire lit on her, it is like something to behold. Yes. Uh, I was just texting with folks like, oh my God, Susie is on it today. <laughs> so um, one of the things that you always do is endorse candidates. How did you do your endorsements? Or because the primaries were so early, that was already done before the first lockdown? So correct. So in January and February, you know, we got started really early with our endorsement process pre-COVID. Uh, and, you know, we had the fortune of having, uh, you know, several, uh, a few presidential campaigns call in and participate. And so the endorsement process in the beginning went really, really well. It was then during the runoff where we had to get creative and really figure out a different way to do it. Um, and so, you know, we, we struggled like a lot of organizations and, and learned growing things with Zoom. Uh, thankfully, we didn't have any like major issues with Zoom like some other organizations did. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think it was just the flexibility of candidates and of the members to be able to, to say like, okay, this is an unprecedented time. You know, what are we going to, we've got to give a little bit as well. Um, so so um, by the time you got to the runoffs though, you already knew a lot of the candidates, right? Oh yeah, so 100%. What, I, I guess it would have been easier to get them to Zoom rather than somebody that you're just meeting for the first time. Yes. And what I would say is that in regards to the endorsement process, you know, it's fascinating to me that Stonewall Dallas has continued to maintain, you know, the reputation for being an endorsement that people want to seek. From not just in Dallas County and the surrounding, like, we have people from all across the state contacting us and like, hey, we want to, you know, participate. I know I'm, you know, in East East Texas, but can I, you know, sit for your your endorsement process? and so that is one of the things that I, I hope that the next president, Todd and his team, will continue to embrace, you know, the recognition that Dallas' Stonewall is considered to be, you know, very influential and to welcome folks from around the state that want to talk. For me, it was always, it was always about giving the voters the opportunity to hear from folks. Even if they necessarily couldn't get our endorsement or they weren't going to win our endorsement, you know, at least giving the, the members and the voters an opportunity to hear from this person. And so we've had Republicans who came and were like, hey, I know I can't win your endorsement, but at least let me talk to your members and, you know, say who I am and introduce myself. Hmm. Um, and that, to me, goes back to the days of, of good politics where, you know, they're not your enemy. It's just someone that has a different opinion 
than you. And so, you, you, you know, you want to hear what they have to say. You know, one of the things I think we've forgotten about the two-party system is it's not, okay, I have my party and these are the people who are good automatically you know, w without any question, and then there's the other party, which they're all the enemy. And it shouldn't be that way. We really should be debating ideas, and sometimes there should be good candidates that you can see on the other side. And, and I can give you some examples of people I'd vote for. Uh, the Republican uh, election officials in Georgia who are coming out and saying, stop this Ooh. to Trump. Yes. Wouldn't you vote yes. for, for them? Yes. That is a great example. Um, the gentleman that gave that impassioned plea um, at that, that press conference, uh -huh. I, was, I said to myself afterwards, I was like, he's going to run for something and he's going to win easily. But he deserves uh, to. He deserves to. I mean, here's somebody who's saying, my party didn't win. I did everything I could to make this election fair. And now I'm getting death threats. How disgusting. And, yeah. but, you know, we also have to look on our side as well. Um, we had, you know, the State Democratic Executive Committee meeting yesterday. And one of the things that I said in the meeting was, you know, we can't, the GOP is going to have to come to terms with the the issues that it has, with the those that are racist and publicly racist within their ranks. And we on the on the left, we have to not stand that fire. You know, we can't look at everyone that's a Republican and say you're a racist because you're a Republican. I have a number of Republican friends I've known for years. They are not racist, mm -hmm. and I would not label them as racist just because they're Republican. And so it's, it's a twofold thing. You know, they, they're going to have to address their issues, but we cannot fan those flames. My fellow Americans are not my enemies. My fellow Americans have different ways of moving the country forward, different views of how they want to move the country forward. And I disagree with them on some of those things, especially when it comes to the LGBT community and our rights and our protection, especially when it comes to just dis those with disabilities and their rights and their protection. And so... My job is to continue to chip away at it and to talk to them and to discuss with them and to get them to shift towards where I'm at. Mm -hmm. If it happens in one foul swoop, great. But oftentimes it doesn't. It takes, you know, talking over multiple days, weeks, months, sometimes years to get folks to shift. You know, another good example of that, though, is Justice Kennedy. Appointed by a Republican. By all accounts, he was a Republican. And read his decisions like Obergefell, mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> it's well, not somebody I disagree with at all. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, oh, there's a Republican I would vote for. I would say there's a Republican I would move into the column of consideration. Because I do think that <laughs> many Democrats are, are far superior on all of the issues. For example, if, say, a state rep. You know, just because they stood up to... Um, and, and recognized reality, um, I, I don't, and, and you know they float against their party, like like, but they but they were committed to reality. That's not enough for me. I respect the guy, but I don't know whether I would say I would vote for him. I don't, you know, I just I just don't because. And let's say I could vote for him. Obviously, okay. you want to consider all of the issues. Uh, here's one in Texas. Speaker of the House Strauss, two 
yeah. sessions ago. <laughs> He's the one who stood up and said uh, about all of these anti-trans bills that were coming up. He said, I will not have a, uh, anybody's death on my hands. I, I'd and, vote for him. I, I could vote for him easily. I think, Patty, I think, and I think maybe, David, if, if you were a Republican, if you were on that side, these are the kind of people that you could see yourself or consider voting for. Mm-hmm. On the Democratic side, yeah, I would not vote for this. Um, but like I said, if, if I was in Georgia and I was a Republican, I would be calling that gentleman that we we're talking about and being like, what are you running for? Because we need to get behind you. We need more people like you. Mm-hmm. Right. Who are, who at least can see and, and, and what is, what's reality, as you said. Yeah. Somebody who puts his country before his party. And, and yeah. these are I, definitely I people who are doing. I would love for us to get back to a day where compromise is not a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I honestly think a 50-50 Senate would be wonderful. And the reason that I like the idea of a 50-50 Senate is you can't, you know, the Ted Cruz's and the Tom Cotton, you can't then just say, I don't like this because it's Democrat. I don't know. Come with a bill. Come with a piece of legislation. And all you got to do is pick one from the other side. So it, to me, it presents the, if all you're going to do is yell and scream, I don't like that because it's a Democratic thing or a Republican thing, mm-hmm. then you're doing it wrong. Craft your legislation and try and get someone, one, two, three people from the other side to flip over and come to your side because your bill is stronger. Well, and what I, what I really um, resent in this stalemate of things is, is that people come with their best. So here's the Democratic bill, here's the Republican bill. And there, there is this thought that the next step is to stop rather than it's a given, we are going to go forward. So let's, let's come to the table and say, where are we in the middle of these things? Let's come up with something that is, uh, you know, agreeable to both sides. They don't get fully what they want, but we're going to get something. What, yeah. What's really annoying and, um, and frankly infuriating is to, to, here's my bill, here's my bill, and, you know, never the twain shall meet. It just stops. Like with this, with the, the, the stimulus package for the, the whole COVID oh. relief, it's just, it's just stood still for months. And nobody's, well, I think the Democratic side has, has put together some things and, and come back and said, here's, here's a bill. But the Republicans went home. They freaking went home and like, and we're not even playing. We're not even working. We're yeah. not even trying. And that to me is just un-American. You know, as far as compromise, um, Harriet Earhart was on our show years ago and she said, this, this was while she was still in the legislature. She said some of the best legislation we ever wrote was when we sat down in committee and really listened to each other. And she said the reason that it was the best legislation was because it ended up helping more people. Yes. My motto in life is do the most good for the most people. And the way you typically will do that is if you bring more voices together and you talk. Sure. Sure. Um, We need to take a break. Josh, why don't we take our break? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Josh. Patty's joining us from her remote location because... COVID. Yeah, yeah, COVID. That's it. We'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, Brandon Vance, who is the outgoing president of Stonewall Democrats, is on the line with us, too. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. 
And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet. And uh, Patty's with me today. Uh, Brandon Vance, the outgoing president of Stonewall Democrats, is on the line with us. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about today, on Monday, I got either the placebo or the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, Prism Health down in Oak Cliff is doing a study on the AstraZeneca vaccine. This is for COVID. For COVID. Um, and... So I got the vaccine. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning that I, that I actually got it. I felt something within five minutes. And they said, oh, yeah, 24 to 48 hours. Uh-uh. Three full days. I was nauseous, dizzy, aches, headaches, pains, stomach aches, just any reaction that you could expect. And I don't normally get any. I don't even get uh, injection site pain. You know, like the flu shot I got a few weeks ago, nothing. I, in fact, I looked over, I said, oh, did you do it already? <laughs> nothing. This one knocked me on my butt. And I'm encouraging people to participate. If you go to prismhealth.com uh, or .org, uh, there's a page for uh, vaccine trials that they're doing. And you can sign up and they'll call you, especially if you're in a high morbidity group like I am. In, a, old. in other words, older people, uh, or if you have diabetes or if you have heart condition or any of those comorbidities that people are more likely to get it, that's who they're looking for. Um, but I go for my second shot on the 28th. I'm looking forward to that one. <sighs> Happy New Year to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that was another strange part of doing this. Just all of a sudden, I was laying down on Wednesday night. I sat up. I said, okay, it's, it's gone. Just everything stopped. The dizziness, the nauseous, nauseousness, nausea, uh, the, the aches, the pains, the headache. Just I had this headache, and it just stopped. I was nauseous a minute before that. I wasn't anymore. Just all the symptoms all at once just stopped. So I hope that means that my body's making lots of antibodies and... Let's hope so. Yeah. We a, want these things to work. Yeah, we do. Oh, I, I want yeah. it to work. But one thing that I'm warning everybody, you can't just expect, okay, they're going to go through Parkland Hospital and give all the medical workers a vaccine one day. Can't do that because there will be nobody there to take care of uh, patients. Give it to 20 well, doctors, 20 nurses. Mm-hmm. A question for you is, do you know anyone else that's in the trial? And yes. have you asked them, like, what their reaction was? Not as bad as mine was. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. But everybody so far has had a, a reaction. And one person I spoke to who was in the um, Pfizer vaccine trial, he said right after he got the second dose of that one, uh, for four hours, he was just, it knocked him out. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. The, the one that seems the most promising to me, by my lay interpretation of what's going on, the Johnson & Johnson vaccines being tested down at the VA hospital, and that one is a one dose, not a two. You know, if you think about it, the differences between making 300,000 and 600,000 doses of the vaccine, that's considerable. Significant. Yeah. That significant, yeah. Uh, but that one um, seems to have longer lasting, is what they're hoping, 
And uh, the advantage of the AstraZeneca seems to be that people who did contract um, COVID afterwards get lesser symptoms. So that's real important because no vaccine is 100% effective. Right. So if you were to still get it, it would be with lesser symptoms. Anyway, um, just thought I'd share that with everybody. But we were talking about you know, running an organization during COVID. This has presented so many difficulties to everybody across business and social and political and everything that it's important. It's important. So I would say one of the biggest things that, that I had to be reminded of um, throughout by my board um, was to take some time and just breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, some, some self care. That's the word I'm looking for. And because and and Patty, you probably know this. I'm sure Aaron knows this. You know, when you're going and leading an organization, you're, you're constantly on. You have to yeah. constantly be on. And, you know, the expectations are always, you know, some there's some form of expectation. And, and you can quickly and easily burn out. And my board would be like, you know, especially Susie. Susie would be like, Brandon, you need to take a break. You're just going too hard. Um, and so... That is a lesson, I think, for anyone that's in leadership of an organization or just in leadership, but in general as well. Like during all of this, please make sure you take time to take care of yourself, whatever that is, you know, watching a movie at home and turning your cell phone off, reading a good book, um, dancing in your living room, you know, just whatever you got to do, you got to take some time to take care of yourself. Um, this is an unprecedented time for everyone. And as the numbers continue to get worse, um, you know, we all pray and hope that a vaccine comes and really makes an impact on this. But until us regular folks get vaccinated, we have got to still all be cautious and still taking care of ourselves. That's true. And, and one of the things that that you know, we need to remember, particularly when you're in leadership roles and you just go, 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 Constantly, and like you said, you're on, you're on all the time. Is that that um, old adage about being on an airplane? You, when the when the breathing, the oxygen mask drops down, you um, put it on yourself first, and then your child or the next person. And that's really what what that's about. And one one of the things I think has really been uh, um, fortunate, and you can you know um, agree with me or not, uh, Brandon, is this whole idea of zoom. It's so much easier to get candidates. It's so much easier for ourselves than to try to get in a car after a full day's work, drive across town, um, be there in time for the meeting, get through all the meeting and then have to drive home, you know, the, the, the whole, the whole scenario. And it's tough to get candidates to do that. You know, they're hopping from event to event to event. And today you can get candidates on, um, you know, they log off one <laughs> Zoom session and log on another. It's not about getting yep. in the car and all this frustration and, and um, you know, and risk, you know, about putting yourself out there. And which family are you going to go if you're a couple? Which uh, house are you going to for Christmas? You can go to both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just have two computers yeah. set up. <laughs> So I mean that it's been a little bit more. Um, we we almost given ourselves a break by having the Zoom and not the car. Speaking Absolutely. of speaking of giving yourself a break and taking some time for yourself, Brandon, you got pregnant. <laughs> what? Brandon is having children. See what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I am in the process of trying to adopt. 
Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's close to the end point. You know, when, when you consider adoption, you talk to people, you hear, you know, oh, it's a process, you know, it takes a long time. It takes, you know, and then when you're mine, you're like, no, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to take my classes. I'm going to get licensed and I'm going to, you know, get my kid and, and move on. And it takes, it takes a while, but it, it, it takes a while for a purpose. You know, you're getting a human being, potential. you're, you're getting a kid that you are going to love and raise and take care of. And, and so they have to vet you and ask questions and dig into everything. Uh, I always tell people, it's like, if you bought a house, it is more paperwork and more process to get a, a person, which it should be. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited. Um, again, I'm looking to, you know, adopt a little a brother and sister. Uh, today is actually uh, the, the sister's birthday, and so I'm going to go, go and spend some time with them this afternoon um, after we get done. Uh, and they've just stolen my heart. Like, those are my babies. I get it when, you know, parents are like, you know, I will, I would go to war for these two. Like, they, they got me lock, stock, and barrel. Unfortunately, you know, other folks still have to make the decision. And, and so I won't know officially until about the beginning of February where things stand. Ooh, that much um, more. But, okay. But, you know, making the decisions and making, moving forward with the expectation that, yes, I will be getting these two in place in my home. Okay, That's so awesome. let's go through the process. First, you have to get certified, right? So getting licensed. So, so I can go through the process real quick. So the first thing you have to do is, is in, in Texas, you have to attend an information session put on by CPS or select um, adoption agencies. Then you have to choose an adoption agency and say and do paperwork and say, I want you to help me through the process. Who are you going adoption through? Agents, I'm going through CK Family Services. Um, they are a faith-based organization. And this is where the political part comes in when you hear these arguments around the country about faith-based um, or LGBT folks being denied the opportunity to adopt. The vast majority of adoption agencies in the United States are faith, faith-based. And so it, it's tough because I can see it on one hand, but then my progressive side on the other hand is like, no. So my, my adoption agency won't work with same-sex couples, but they will work with LGBT individuals um, to get them licensed and help them with getting adoption or fostering kids. Wow. Is there a reason and you so did them instead of like Jonathan's Place, which is happy to work with a gay couple? Or so, a single gay person? Yeah. Or, or yeah, a, a yeah, single gay yeah. person? <laughs> the honest answer is, on the day that I was like, like ready to make a move, um, I called Jonathan's Place twice and no one answered. Oh. That is not a knock on Jonathan's Place. I just didn't get through to anyone. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go with CK. Okay. And it has been a great experience. I know folks who have gone through Jonathan's Place and they're a wonderful agency. Um, I've told some folks since, to consider them or to go with them as well. Um, so then once you get through all your classes, and it is, it's a lot of classes, it's a lot of training, um, then you get licensed. And so this is where you're either licensed to foster or you're licensed to adopt. Um, you have to make a choice on which path you're going to go on because the process is different. And so I started with matched adoption. And in essence, what that is, is you know, they find the kid, um, you kind of do some visits, trying to get to know them and see if this is going to work. And then eventually the kid is placed in your home. And then 
for six months, the kid has to be placed in your home. And if everything goes well, then the judge will sign off and say, yes, you are legally adopted by this parent. And, and so, so was, when you find out in February, you'll be finding out that they'll be placed in your home for six months pre-adoption, right? Correct. That's yeah. the term I use as well. Pre-adoption, yes. Um, so the classes, and I know it's at least 40 hours worth, or is it more for adoption than it is for foster? Every agency is a little bit different, but I think it's a minimum of 38, but most are somewhere between 43 and 45 hours. And were you doing them by Zoom? So when I got, when I took my classes, it was actually in 2019. Oh, So we were still meeting face-to-face. But the the incoming Stonewall president um, and his husband uh, just did their classes, and they did everything by Zoom. And so they were able to get through it a whole lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they didn't have to drive to get there. Right. <laughs> um, and what are some of the things that you learned as far as taking care of kids? Because some of it is stuff that if they're your natural-born kids, you don't have to do. But you do with foster kids. Absolutely. So the big thing is, is learning about trauma-informed care. Um, understanding you know, that a lot of the actions of kids are coming from a place of hurt and pain and fear and and it really takes time to build up that trust with a kid you know that that's not your natural kid and and so it's always trying to remember as you're interacting with a kid that's going through something you know thinking to yourself where is this coming from like what happened and sometimes you actually have to talk to a kid in that way and like you know they're raging and you're like you know what's going on like what are you afraid of what are what are you fearful of? What can I do to make you comfortable? And it's so different, I think, from, from natural born kids because what you're doing is, and this is your compromise. You know, I'm from southern Louisiana, who I was born and raised. And, you know, my mom, my friends, people are always saying, you know, you don't compromise the kids. What you cook is what you cook and they have to eat it. Not with foster kids. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to compromise with foster kids because sometimes it's not worth the fight. Um, like the, the two that I'm looking to adopt, the brother, um, some nights, some days, he just is terrified to go into the bathroom and take a bath. And I fought him a couple of times on it, but then it was just like, you know what? Hey, let's just compromise. And so sometimes he just wants me or his sister to stand by the door. Um, and then he, you know, will go in and hop in and do a, like a quick three minute or five minute bath and then he's out. And I have to accept that, you know, that's the compromise. At least I got him in the tub that night. Um, or when it comes to, to cooking, you know, it's, you know, I'm cooking this chicken and rice meal. Well, I don't want that. I'm not going to eat it. And it's like, do I feel like fighting this tonight or do I just compromise and, you know, here's some macaroni and cheese. Um, and so learning to compromise is one of the big things. Right. And when you say, because you went over that fast, but. And, and people don't even think in these terms. When you say they've been um, traumatized, these are all kids who at the very least have been removed from their homes with cause. Absolutely. So That's One of the biggest things they teach is that it is not the kid's fault. And the, the kid, if nothing else, the act of removing a kid from their parents is a traumatic experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, one of the first gay couples that I know that adopted... 
the reason they were that they were chosen for these two kids was because the mother just terrorized these kids and uh, one of them was petrified of women. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so they were looking for a gay male couple specifically, not to not to keep them away from women. They went for counseling for a number of years, um, but just somebody that they could rebuild trust, rebuild trust, and somebody to love them. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So. Um, do you know the story about, and I'm not going to ask you to tell it because that would be completely breaking confidence, but do you know the background story of these kids or do they not share that with you? Yes. Kind of as you go through the process, um, whether from the caseworker or sometimes the kids themselves will share things that have happened to them. Um, and so you learn uh, quite a bit. And, and if you get to the place where you're at the point where they're actually placing the kids in your home um, for pre-adoption. They actually give you their file. So I actually had a kid earlier this year that was placed in my home for pre-adoption, and his file was about 600 pages. Mm. Um, and I literally read every single page in there, um, trying to you know make sure I knew everything that was coming, everything that was gonna mm-hmm. that potentially come with this kid. Um, unfortunately, timing-wise, it just or not Tommy Lovegood, it didn't work out for us as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was able to get everything in regards to his history and his past, pretty much. Are you able to follow kids that were in your home just to make sure that they're okay? Because I know you care about them. Somewhat. Typically, the way it would work is that, you know, from the relationship that you build with the foster parent, because that's the part I think a lot of people don't realize. The kids are in foster care. And so they're being placed in a potential adoptive home. And so they still have their foster parents. Um, and so you develop a relationship with them, and that's how you find out different things and aspects. Um, and so, yes, like that kid that it didn't work out, I've seen him since. Um, I've talked to foster mom and dad since as well. And, and that's good because it gives the kids some conf- continuity, uh, the ability to start trusting again. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Um, I want to change subjects completely. This is something that we talked about before the show, uh, you and I. You were the first African-American president of Stonewall Democrats. And when I met you, my immediate thought was, oh, good. Stonewall uh, elected somebody younger. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the way I think. Um, And it was good to see a new generation coming in. But you had some experiences that you you believe were because you were African-American. Yeah. Um, So, one, I appreciate that being the first thing that you thought. Uh, One, because I'm actually older than I look, and people are always surprised. Um, They're like, wait, what? You're what? Uh, So I appreciate that. But it, it's been, let me say this first. I have enjoyed every minute of being the president of Stonewall Democrats in Dallas. If someone would have said to me in 2016 that I would have had this opportunity, I would not even remotely have believed it. Um, and so I credit, you know, folks like Aaron and Omar and Jay and Lee for believing in me and, and asking me to step up. And, and, and their past, 
They're past Stonewall presidents. Yeah, past Stonewall presidents, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, giving me advice and being people that I can call on and reach out to and, and ask questions. But, you know, it's, it is interesting sometimes when, when folks react to things that you do in a, in a, in a vehement way. And you're just like, wow, like, you know, that was a minor thing. And knowing the history of some of our past presidents, it's like, you're taking shots at me for this? Like, this is the thing you're coming at me for? And so sometimes it's hard to separate, you know, if it's just they're coming at you for you or is it because of something else? Let's talk about that a little bit more after the break. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet. Patty's uh, with us today. Uh, Josh is on the board. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet. Patty is with me today. Uh, and our, on the phone with us is Brandon Vance. He's the outgoing president of Stonewall Democrats. Brandon, we were just talking a little bit before the break about your being the first African-American president of Stonewall, um, which is, by the way, and I don't think I've said this this show, the largest Democratic membership club in the state. Yes. Not the largest Stonewall membership club the largest Democratic club in the state of Texas. Uh, and also the largest Stonewall. <laughs> and the largest Stonewall. And the largest Stonewall, but not just the largest right. Stonewall. Right, um, you, you were telling us a little bit about your experience being the first African-American president. Brandon? Sorry, I accidentally muted while I was calling. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's tough because this is, this is one of those fine lines that you try and walk. You never want to just blatantly put something out as this is the reason for this happening. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing I will say, and I want to make sure everyone understands this, is that there have been a million times more good, positive things um, for me being in this role, uh, I have said to folks and folks have said to me, you know, they couldn't even imagine someone like me um, being able to walk into the doors that have opened for me, you know, just five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I recognize the privilege that I have been afforded in this role as president of this organization to be able to, you know, have great conversations and trust with elected officials to be able to call on them almost at any time you know, to get things done or accomplished for other people. Um, we have made so many, so much progress in opening and furthering the conversations where Stonewall is involved. And the best one I can give is just a few weeks ago, there was an event at Friendship West Church um, here in Southern Dallas. And, and uh, Pastor Freddie Haynes uh, was going on the microphone to talk about the political thing that was going on with Congresswoman Eddie Denise Johnson and Pastor Freddie Haynes of Friendship West Church gave a shout out to the Stonewall Democrats of Dallas at mm-hmm. that event. And that's just like amazing to me that we've come to, you know, come that far that Stonewall is, is welcome. And I'm not taking all the credit for it. As an organization, as a board, we decided that we really wanted to work on unity and expanding the reach of Stonewall and talking to folks that we typically haven't talked to. And having someone like me in leadership, you know, made some of those doors open a little bit more 
for us to be able to do that. Hmm. Good. Um, do you think your being a black president has opened doors in a way that that couldn't happen for Aaron or for Jay or? I, I would say it's possible. Um, I, I, you know, I think you know, folks folks react to different things for their own different reasons, and mm-hmm. so you never truly know. Um, but I know that I have, as the leader, pushed us to be daring. You know, we've all you know we've historically always advertised in the voice, but you know, it's like reaching out to the elite news. It's reaching out to other you know traditionally black church newspapers mm-hmm. and laying those foundations and, and you know asking can we advertise like you know who we are are you comfortable with other advertising in your in your paper that primarily serves black churches in Dallas and getting the answer like yes we would love to have y'all's endorsement list mm-hmm. we would love to you know let y'all advertise in our in our in our papers as well in our publications and so I think that that shows you know a growth of not just the organization but the city as well as the media in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we need to just ra- start wrapping this up a little bit. The next show is here. Uh, we're ending our shows at 10 of in order to keep things safe. I've had the vaccine. However, <laughs> most people have not. Uh, but we're cleaning the countertops. We're changing windscreens on the mics, doing everything we can to keep it safe from one show to another. Um, I, I do want to go back to uh, when you said people are surprised that you're actually older than you are. <laughs> are you going to do it? You're not going to do it, David. No, no, no. What I was going to, I was just going to give you some friendly advice because I get that all the time. Do you really? I do. <laughs> I, I know that. Josh, you don't get that. Patty, you don't get that. Laron certainly doesn't. But I do. And they want to know, well, how do you stay so young? I said, well, I've just decided not to age. <laughs> I love it. I love no, it. no good comes out of aging. <laughs> so what's your secret, Brandon? Um, laughing, you know, smiling, being happy. I try to just be happy. I think that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, I got good genes. I got good genes. Mama gave me some good genes. And so... Um, I would just say being happy and just trying to, to, to enjoy life um, to the fullest. And I always wear yeah. good jeans too. <laughs> <laughs> can I give a Can I give a, a quick shout out? Sure. Before we go, so tomorrow is our annual Stonewall holiday party. It's virtual, uh, and we have a great fun time um, set up, and we're excited about this. It starts at six p.m. But you got to register. And so if you register, if you go to our website, um, org, or our other URL, stonewalldallas.com, so we got two, right there on the homepage, you can click on the register underneath the flyer for our holiday party. Come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Show some love, support for Stonewall. And it's virtual, so that means you'll be having virtual drinks Yes, we will. <laughs> that's the part of this Zoom thing that I'm not getting. The virtual bar that's always open. The virtual bar. <laughs> let's Think just, about how safe it is. Let's you don't just have to drive. Sit, exactly. Uber. Sit down in front of the computer and eat in front of people. I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> I won't eat in front of people either. I will. I will have a cocktail in front of folks. Absolutely. Okay, it's a thing, David. You should give it a whirl. I uh, guess I'm gonna have to try that. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, I want to thank you for being with us. Good luck in your adoption. Yes, absolutely. Because there are so many things that can go wrong in the last few steps. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. but good luck in doing that because you know, people want to know why I, I don't foster. It's because I get too damn angry every time I've been to Jonathan's place or other places that do these adoptions. And it's like, they did what to this kid? Yeah, it, yep. it, it just that infuriates me. So I do my part by talking about it on the air and encouraging others to adopt and uh, by writing about it. Uh, but it's there one are over 17,000 kids in the Texas foster care system. We need good people that want to be foster parents that want to adopt to really get involved and go through the process and get licensed because these kids need homes where they will be loved and protected. And just because you've gone through the classes doesn't mean that you're obligated to anything. Uh, Correct. So if you'd like to take any of those classes, just go online and look for uh, CPS. H how did you find yours? Through CPS? The, the TEAR, um, which I believe is the Texas Adoption Resource Exchange. Mm -hmm. um, TEAR, if you, if you Google TEAR Adoption, it will take you right to the site, and that's where you want to go. And you'll start there. And you start there. And worst comes to worst, you took a few classes and maybe you'll encourage some of your friends to adopt even I think if it's every, not for you. Every parent, every parent should take some of these classes. They're just so much that they teach you just how to look at things differently um, so that you're not, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the kids and it's about giving them what they need and realizing you could have two kids in the, in the household and they may need totally different parenting mm -hmm. and being okay with that. So, Brandon, I want to thank you. Good luck with your adoption. And for all of us at Lambda Weekly, our guest next week has written a book about being from the AIDS generation. Interesting. So, great. Yeah. That'll be yeah. great. Uh, for all of us here at Lambda Weekly, be best. <laughs>